0: Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Kenitra Bryant and today's Motivational Aim targets aim exposure. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to this new series I am covering entitled Aim. The purpose of this series is to encourage listeners to discern their goals and to discern their aims. This series is about determining if the goals and or aims a person is planning to pursue or achieve. Are they God honoring goals or aims or are those goals or aims self-seeking, self-gratifying, selfish, and they have nothing to do with God? And what I mean by that is, after the goal or aim is achieved, God can't use it for anything. God doesn't get any glory out of it. He doesn't get any praise out of it. He doesn't get any honor out of it. A person might say, oh, I thank God for this. But when the aim is yielded and presented before God, it can't be used To fulfill what he wants to do in the earth's realm. It has nothing to do with his plan. It's something that somebody did. They wanted God to bless. They achieved the aim. It was self-gratifying, self-seeking, selfish. And after it was achieved, after the goal was acquired, after the goal was obtained, when a person really looks at the goal... From every angle, they see God can't do anything with this. And God is saying the same thing. I, I can't do anything with this goal. This wasn't a goal that honored me. And this goal, I can't even use within my kingdom. This is a goal that Satan can use in his kingdom, but I can't use it over here. And that's the purpose of this series, to look at and discern What goals we are really pursuing? What aims we're really striving after? Are they God-honoring goals or are they self-seeking, self-gratifying, selfish goals? That's the aim for this series. Now, as we go through life's course, it's important to seek the goals God wants us to seek. It's important to run after the God-honoring goals and or aims God places in our hearts. And we should do that with confidence, knowing that God has great thoughts and ways for each of us. And that includes the aims and the goals we pursue. In Isaiah the 55th chapter in the 8th through the 9th verse, our Heavenly Father tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I want to read that same scripture, Isaiah the 55th chapter and the 8th through the 9th verse. I want to read that in the message translation. I already read it in the amplified translation, but now I'm about to read it in the message translation and that is Isaiah the 55th chapter in the 8th through the 9th verse and this is what it says I don't think this is God speaking to us I don't think the way you think the way you work isn't the way I work God's decree for as the sky soars high above the earth so the way I work surpasses the way you work and the way I think is beyond the way you think. And as you can hear that, and when you read it on your own and you see it for yourself, you understand that our Heavenly Father has great plans for us. God has great desires for us to fulfill. God has great aims for us to enjoy and achieve. But it's up to us to trust that what He has for us is going to come into our lives his way. Psalm the 37th chapter in the fourth verse lets us know that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. And this is not only true for the manifestation of our desires being seen and we can receive our desires in a tangible form or a tangible way, but this promise from God is also true for the desires being placed in our hearts from the beginning. So let me read it again. It says, Delight yourself, delight, seek after, run after God. Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you run after God, you seek God, God will give you desires that he wants you to fulfill. And whatever God gives you is better than what you could ever think of for yourself. God knows how to place desires in your heart for you where you want those desires to come into fruition. And then God promised that when we delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires from seed to harvest, from the thought to the tangible form, But we have to delight ourselves in him. Delight means to seek him, love him, obey him, keep him first place in your life and all things. Worship him in spirit and in truth as outlined in John the fourth chapter in the 23rd verse. That's our part. In order for God to give us the desires of our heart, the condition is Delight yourself in him. Delight yourself in him and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's our part. But what tends to happen is people, some people, they get impatient. They get distracted. And they want their desires fulfilled now. And instead of allowing God to bring their desires to them the way he wants to, Because remember, what did Isaiah the 55th chapter in the 8th through the 9th verse say? It says, I don't think the way you think. This is God talking to us. I don't think the way that you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree, for as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. And going back to my point. You have some people, they don't do their part in delighting themselves in the Lord. They get impatient, as I just stated. They get distracted. They want their desires yesterday. And instead of allowing God to bring their desires to them the way he wants to, we or people, they end up getting ahead of God, doing things the way that they think is best, And they set themselves back. And that can happen because doubt can come in a person's mind. And a person can feel like, oh my goodness, it looks like everybody is getting their desires fulfilled except me. It looks like everyone is achieving their aims except me. Why are things taking so long? Things aren't moving the way that I want them to move Nothing is changing I don't see progressive steps I don't see A, B, C, D, E, F, and G I don't see that I need to see progression What's going on? I see stagnation I see just I'm at a standstill What's the deal? I want what I want now I feel like I'm being set back What is the deal? Oh, I'm going to go do it my way Now when that happens The person who is trying to have their aims fulfilled if they don't allow God to do things his way without even knowing it, especially if they've been saying things out loud, complaining, comparing themselves to people, saying negative things as I just mentioned. Oh, well, wow, why is it taking so long? How you get your stuff done and not me? I'm going to go do it myself. This is taking too long. So where is God anyway? Oh, goodness. It took you like two days, but it's taken me like two months. And I really don't even know the status of what's going on. I don't even think I need to keep pursuing this goal. This is just too much. See, when a person starts putting their mouth on things in a negative way, what they're doing is calling in more problems. And it's nothing but an alarm. They're sounding an alarm for Satan and his workers to come in a person's life and keep that trend up. Oh, yeah, yeah. God show taking a long time, huh? <laughs> yeah, everybody else got that. And you be trying to live right, too, huh? I wonder what's going on with God. Why he do you like that? Yeah, complain some more. Complain some more. Yeah, keep comparing yourself to other folks. Keep doing that. I know you don't even know what they really doing, because they work for me, some of them. <laughs> but uh keep comparing yourself, yeah. Keep doing that. oh, Yeah. Keep speaking negativity about yourself, yeah. Say things that God never even said about you. Keep cursing yourself. Keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, you'll never make it. You'll never do it. Yeah, that's right. You'll never. Yeah, you'll never achieve it God's way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. He don't think like you, ain't that? <laughs> if only he could think like Because you. you know it all, man. You, you smart. You, you real smart. I mean, you could do it. Just, just do it your way. Yeah, do it your way, man. You'll have all this, and I'm gonna make sure that you get it too. I'm gonna make sure that you get the fame, the fortune, the popularity, a couple of dollars. You know what I'm saying? You know, a couple of pats on the back. I can help you. Just just do it my way. Come on, man. you will rise to the top in no time. But what he fails to tell you is you'll fall down quickly also. And he will not be there to lift you up and encourage you. Satan will not be there to encourage you and pick you up after you fall, after listening to him. His aim is to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not going to come and say, hey, you down? You in that pit? Let me go. Give me a hand. Let me help you up. (laughs) No. He'll see you down, and his goal is to destroy you when you're down. Have you a plan in your mind? What you did apart from God, you start feeling guilty, you start feeling depressed, start feeling sad. He'll tell you that the Lord doesn't love you anymore, he's not pleased with you, don't even think about praying, and hey, you need to stay in this pit because he wants you to self-destruct. Where well, he can say, I didn't do nothing. They they the one who made the choice. I didn't do I, I didn't do that. I did do that. That's his aim. That's his aim. He's got an aim and God has an aim. The aim is to not call in things and say things just because you're going according to God's timetable. Yeah, you might look at people around you achieving the very thing you want to achieve They have the very thing that you want or desire. But do it God's way. Do it God's way. God's way is the best way. And when doubt comes into your mind and you feel like, oh my goodness, back to what I was saying earlier, it looks like everybody has it but me. What's the deal? What's the deal? Let God bless you his way. Satan wants to introduce a substitute for you. He wants to give you a substitute for the God-honoring aim God wanted to bless you with. It's a counterfeit. It looks the same, but it's not the same. That's why you have to ask God for wisdom and discernment. The counterfeit version, Satan's version, is designed To keep a person and put a person in a pit. That counterfeit aim. That counterfeit desire. Is designed to keep a person enslaved. Don't forfeit God's original for Satan's counterfeit. Or Satan's substitute. Don't do it. Don't do it. The aim is to. Do things God's way, even if it doesn't make sense. And we already know we're not going to or we might not understand it at first because God told us clearly in Isaiah the 55th chapter in the 8th through the 9th verse that his ways are not our ways. The way he does things is not the way we do things. The way he thinks is not the way we think. The aim is to fulfill and achieve your God-honoring goals. God's way, even if people look like, or it appears that people are accelerating past you. Do it God's way. God's way will always have you on top and never the bottom. God's way will always have you above and never beneath. In any situation, that's how it goes. See, Satan wants to give you something, and then if a person takes what Satan is dishing out and offering them, pretty soon, because it's going to happen, anything somebody took from Satan, they will detest it, they will hate it, and they just want to get back on God's way and route of doing things. When a person is sincere and they really, they possibly messed up, they probably have some regrets, they love the Lord, they're not perfect, but they're aiming towards the target of a God-honoring relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. If they've done anything where they got off of God's track, God's target, and if they picked up Satan's counterfeiter, Satan's substitute, they don't want it. They don't want it because it comes with hidden fees and hidden cost, hidden problems that's just perpetual. It just doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. All because a person invited that in and allowed and really gave Satan permission to come on in and do what he was going to do. He's a liar. He's not going to tell you, hey, if you accept this, I got a whole plethora of trash I'm bringing to you, too. He's not going to do that. He's going to say, oh, this trash is really a treasure. You just got to look at it this way, you know. Just turn off the light so you can see. You can really see it in the darkness. He's a liar. <laughs> it's a bona fide liar. He comes with problems that people have to deal with, consequences they have to face because... They accepted it, and it's all set up by him to hinder your journey of where God wants to take you. Now, if you repent, or if a person repents, and they start doing things God's way, right smack dab in the middle of whatever Satan's trying to get them to take, his substitute, his counterfeit, God will still fulfill the plans in your life. Is similar to what I was saying in the Syllabus for Life's Course series when I said that a person could be enrolled in a course that God has them in, but Satan wants them to be enrolled in his course. And let's say a person, oh, you know, I want to go to that class because it looks like it's easy. Look looks like everybody making A's. look looks like everybody's having fun. They enroll in that course. They walk in. They sit down. Everything looks like it's just great. Until they start completing assignments. And when they receive the syllabus, they find out, oh, this course is entitled Damned 101. Damned. And the textbook needed for this course is Kill, Steal, and Destroy. The way a person gets out of that is they drop the glass they drop the class, they repent, they don't even have to talk to the teacher. They just drop it and they go right back to the class and the course God had them in. Same thing with your aims. Allow God to guide you in the aims that he wants you to pursue his way, but don't Switch the direction of your goals and your aims, your God honoring goals and aims. Don't switch the direction from God's direction to what you think is best in your mind. Because remember, God already told us in Isaiah, the 55th chapter. Yeah, y'all gonna know this scripture Isaiah, the 55th chapter, and the 8th through the 9th verse that our ways are not God's ways, we don't think the way God thinks. We need to do things his way. Now, sometimes while we are pursuing aims and goals, a person can say all day long, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing it for God. This is a God-honoring aim. You know, God's going to get the glory and the praise. I'm going to magnify God with this aim. Then as that aim is going towards that target of success or achievement, Some things happen where that aim is exposed. The aim is exposed where it's not really a God-honoring aim. It's a selfish aim. It's a self-gratifying aim. It's a self-seeking aim. It's a destructive aim. So it's important to be honest about what a person is really aiming towards and the purpose of that goal, that desire, that aim. What is the purpose of that? Because as I mentioned earlier, all of our aims, all of them will be exposed. I don't care what people are trying to say and what they're trying to do, how they're trying to cover up their aims as if their aims are helping the community or helping people or It's the best aim, you know. I'm keeping God first in it. If a person is lying about their aim, the aim will expose the person. The aim will. The aim will expose the nature of the aim, the intent of the aim, the motive of the aim. And the aim will reveal and expose the heart of the person seeking to have that aim fulfilled let me give you an example real life occurrence okay this happened some months ago almost a year ago from the day I'm recording this I went to a doctor's appointment and normally this doctor she does not have a lot of patients outside in the waiting area I've never gone to this woman's office. And it's been packed the way it was this day. But apparently this had to happen because this has everything to do with this motivational aim. So I had to see some to share it. So as I said, I'm at the doctor and the waiting area is packed and people are coming in. Boy, they are coming in, signing in, taking seats. Coughing, all of that. So I said, ooh, um, I went to the front, told the secretary receptionist, yeah, when it's my turn, I'm going to be outside. So you can call me or just open up the door, but I'm going to be outside. Uh So I step outside. I'm standing by a column, and I'm on the phone, you know, looking up stuff online, just trying to preoccupy my time. Some time passes. A woman comes outside where I am also. And she's standing on the other side of the column of this doctor's office outside. She has a rolling walker. What they call it, like a rollator. And this rolling walker slash rollator has a seat She has the basket with it, all of that, the brakes, all of it. So she was set. So she comes outside. She sits down. I'm standing up, leaning against the column. And then she started talking to me, and I was, yeah, it was upgraded weather talk, basically. And that's exactly how the conversation started. She said, oh, it's pretty windy today, isn't it? And I hit her with the, yeah, mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm, Wendy. And then she says, oh, it's so crowded in there today, isn't it? I wonder what's going on in there. She don't never had that many people in there like that. And I responded with, yeah. And then she says, I wonder what the doctor was thinking. What was she doing? You know, making all those appointments like that where everybody on top of each other. That's when I just swish it up on her. I responded with, yeah, she's a great doctor. (laughs) And the reason I responded that way was because, first of all, the doctor is a great doctor. And second of all, uh, you know, you're not about to get me caught up in anything you have going on where you're messing up my relationship with the doctor. So I'm not going to engage with... Any of your complaints, even if you are just trying to make small talk, if you're trying to complain on the sly, I'm not, no, I'm not forward. I'm not complaining with you. I'm not calling that in because what some people do, yeah, they do weather talk, they do small talk, they start complaining, but let's say she gets called into the office before me. The doctor sees her before me. And she says, yeah, I was talking to a girl outside. She said, um, she don't know why you did this, why you did all this overbooking. She was out there talking about you. See, people do trash like that. So I just shut that trash down immediately. And that that's just what I do. So when she said, yeah, I wonder why she did I just said, oh, yeah, she's a great doctor. And the way she looked at me after I said that, it confirmed that she wanted to take this conversation of small talk, upgraded weather talk to a whole different direction that I wasn't even trying to go. (laughs) I wasn't doing it. I've been to too many doctor's appointments. I've been through too many things in life where people play games. (laughs) They play games in the waiting areas of life as if that's the place for a competition and they're just going to start some trash to make them gets feel and look like they're on top, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, I wasn't playing, I have too much favor with this doctor, and you're not about to mess that up, okay, <laughs> so when I hit her with, yeah, she's a great doctor, she, uh-uh, yeah, she, she is a great doctor, you right, you right, she a great doctor, and then she immediately went into detail about her ailments and her condition. (sighs) She just started talking to me. That's what people do, though. People tell me their life story, and that's just what they do. So she starts telling me about her ailments and her condition, and she tells me, yeah, the doctor, you know, she's a great help. I normally don't have to wait that long but I don't know what's going on. You see how she tried to revisit that again? I was just silent. And then she says, yeah, I normally come in and leave, but, yeah, she's a great doctor. She helped me through what I was going through and what what I am going through. And, boy, was I in bad shape before this. You know, you see me with this, but I was worse than this. I was in a bad situation. And then she says, you know I couldn't walk for a while. And I said, oh, I, I didn't know. She said, yeah, I I couldn't walk, and I'm on this walker now, but I couldn't walk. I couldn't even feed myself. I just started dropping two months ago. My brother gave me the okay to do so. Now, this woman was about 70-plus years old, okay? Okay? And then she started telling me about how she was going through physical therapy and how she made strides and the doctor whose office we were at, she said that doctor was a key part in her recovery process because she was the one who hooked her up with certain specialists and all of that. And I tell her, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good that you're on the road to recovery. That's that's a blessing. That's good news. And then she started telling me how she ended up in this situation where she had the walker and she couldn't walk and she couldn't feed herself, and why she needed the caregivers and the specialists and all of that, she told me. Now, before I tell you what the woman said, and before I share this, I want you to listen to what the woman shared with me. Listen to what she shared with me. And in a few minutes, well, with me, it's going to be some minutes, you'll see how this woman's account in her life with her physical condition, how it focuses, or this story focuses on aim exposure. Okay? But you have to listen to it. You can't get caught up, listen to what I'm saying, and you can feel sorry for it if you want to. But I want you to look at how her aims were exposed. Now, what happened to her is unfortunate. But listen to what I'm trying to convey the exposure of the aim. The exposure of the aim, okay? All right, so the woman says to me, yeah, she was working on a job where she has to, I guess, input data. And then she looks over reports and she wears a headset and she goes into an office. But when COVID hit, the company she worked at shut down and the employees had to take computers home and log in and be in one spot of their house with their headset on. Then she starts saying that, The company told her that although she was at home, she couldn't eat. (laughs) She couldn't go to the restroom. She couldn't move one location. She couldn't move in different locations of her house. She had to stay in one stationary spot. And they told her preferably in her office or a kitchen table. She couldn't be in a bedroom. But she had to have that laptop smack dab in front of her. And she emphasized how the company wouldn't let her go to the restroom. She had to ask for permission to use the restroom in her own house. She had, what, a 15-minute lunch break in her own house, and she couldn't eat snacks. I, I said, boy, this is what I was thinking. I said, that ain't nothing but the devil. I ain't nothing but the devil. You mean to tell me that I'm at my house and I gotta ask you to use the restroom? I gotta ask you to eat? Man, please. <laughs> Man, I would've closed that laptop down and sent it back to him. That's crazy. No, but I just sat there and listened to her. But I did ask, I said, what company is this? What <laughs> what's this company that you work for? What are they telling you? That a grown woman cannot go to the restroom, she has to ask for permission. What's this? And you can't eat snacks at home? Uh-uh. <laughs> uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. What company is this? And do you still work for them? And she was like, Oh, no, 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 I don't work for them. And I said, So what is the company's name? What's the name of the company I want to know? And she said, No, 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 I don't. No, no, I don't want to. No, 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 I just don't work anymore. And it was because of her health challenges where she had to stop working for the company. Now, listen to what I said. You're going to pick this back up later on. It was because of her health challenges that she was going through when I saw her outside, which caused her to stop working for the company. So she starts telling me some more stuff. She says that after the lockdown and things start opening up, the company told them to come, the employees, to come back to the office. And she still had to bring that headset and that computer and go back to her little workstation at the physical location of this company. And then she kept stressing that the job overworked her. And then she kept saying the job didn't appreciate her. She was a great employee. They had her working from 5 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock p.m. And that included the overtime they made her work on a daily basis. And (laughs) this whole conversation, I'm just over there shaking my head. And I'm just thinking, oh, no, Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. And then she says the company didn't want employees talking to one another. They had limited bathroom breaks. They had a limited time to eat lunch. And then she started to tell me about her work environment. And I was just over there. As I said, I'm just shaking my head, looking at the phone. And then occasionally throwing in my, mm, mm, mm. Ooh, what? Oh, my goodness. And then she says, I was just so tired. I was just so tired. And she said one day, I think it was a, I think a three-day holiday, a three-day weekend because she went to work on Friday. She was about to get off, but she'd be off on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday and then go back to work on Tuesday." And she had it in her mind of what she wanted that three-day weekend to look like. So she said that she was going to go home, clean up her house, relax, take a bubble bath, and just sleep in, stay in for those three days to just catch up on much-needed rest from this job. She said she goes home, and sidebar, she said her siblings, they all live... On the same street. One street. They live on the same street. I don't think they live next door. But they stay on the same street. That's what I remember. Or I think she said something like that. She said she went home. Cleaned up. She was about to take a bath now. She wanted to take the bath. Put on her lounge wear. Her pajamas or whatever it is. And as I said chill for three days straight. She said she went to the restroom, the bathroom, on Friday. On Friday night, she goes to the bathroom, turns on the water to take a bath. Okay? She woke up in the hospital on Tuesday morning. And when I heard that, I said, wait, wait whoa, whoa, up What She says she went to take a bath on Friday night. She cleaned up the house, did all that. She went to the bathroom to take a bath. She woke up in the hospital on Tuesday morning. She says she doesn't know what happened to her after she cleaned up. The last thing she remembered was going to the bathroom to turn on the water for the bath. And she woke up on a Tuesday in the hospital. Then she said that from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, her siblings were coming by the house, knocking on the door, calling her phone, leaving voicemails. There's some voicemails on her phone that she refuses to listen to because it's of her siblings on the phone screaming and crying, trying to figure out where she is. Some of them are beating on the door. They're telling her, what they left on the voicemail because she still hasn't checked it, she said. She said her siblings was coming by the house, beating on the door. And this is after like Saturday night, because she said first they left her alone because she was already telling them that on Friday she was gonna chill. So they came by Saturday, and said, Oh she's still chilling, we live alone. Then Sunday, that's when they start getting concerned and worried. And she says Saturday night or Sunday morning one of those her brother came by the house and he was beating on the door and beating on the window and he heard water running in the bathroom that night left her alone but then Monday I mean Sunday he came by he kept hearing that same water so he was knocking and beating on the door then he called the police to do a wellness check the police officers didn't or couldn't open up the door because she was renting so they had to get in contact with the owner and the owner wasn't going to be available until either Sunday night or Monday morning and the police officers came back either Monday morning with the landowner or the homeowner homeowner opens up the house and they step into a House that was flooded with water. And she said that when her brother was telling her the story, he was just crying and screaming about what happened because he didn't know what was going on because the house was flooded. Police officers and the homeowner brother trying to figure things out, they going in every room of the house looking for her now. And her brother sees her in the bathroom, in the bathtub. The bathtub is full of water. It's overflowing. And it's been running for, what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And she's laid out in the bathtub unconscious. And then the way that she was laid out in the bathtub, she was... Putting pressure on certain parts of her body where they weren't getting circulation. And it caused all types of health problems. And then she said that she had a big gash, a big cut on the back of her neck. And she said, you know, the no circulation through her body, being underwater for that long period of time, not eating properly stressed, lack of sleep. She was just really going through it. And then she said on Tuesday that's when she woke up. So as she telling me this, I'm looking like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? I'm oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. And I'm just looking at what she's telling me and then I'm looking at where she is now, where she's walking on the walk and I'm like, Well you really are making strides, you know what I'm saying? And then she says, yeah, I couldn't walk for months, and she couldn't use her limbs. She couldn't feed herself, as I said earlier. Then she was saying how that was an accomplishment, and now she was able to drive because her brother was not sure about her driving, but she said she could do it, so they let her start driving around the block, and then she was able to move up to start driving to her appointments, and She can go to the store, but she can't get a lot of groceries because she's still being cared for and watched. And I let her know, whoa, those are some great health strides and achievements. Now, if she would have just left the conversation right there with what she went through and how she recovered, I wouldn't be talking to y'all today about this story. And if I was going to tell you about this story, it would be in a whole different context with a whole different motivational aim. But then she proceeds to tell me that the job just was getting on her nerve. And I'm thinking about job? Forget the job. If you're going through something like that, forget the job. What? But she couldn't leave that job alone. And then she says, you know what? My job didn't even send me a get-well card. They didn't even send me a get-well card. And she said, I told one girl I work with everything that happened to me, but the people at the job told me, yeah, when you come in... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the people at the job asked her, when are you coming back to work when are you coming back and they emailed her that and she's telling me this and she's so upset why would they ask me something like that why would they ask me when I'm coming back to work don't they know what I've been through and when she said that I said what they ask you when you come back to work and they knew you were in the hospital she said yes they asked me when I'm coming back And then they asked her, are you coming back to work? And she says, yes. So then she says, she goes back to work. Now, remember, she's being treated horribly based off what she's telling me and what I'm telling you. She goes back to work. She said the boss didn't even ask her how she was doing. They just told her, you know, yeah, when are you coming back because we need you? And she said they were so aggressive with her, they didn't care. And she said her siblings were telling her, do not go back to that job. Do not go back to that job. You don't need that type of job. They kept telling her that. And I tried it again. I said, now, what is this job? What's the name of this company? Where is it? And she just didn't want to tell me. She kept saying, no, 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 no. don't worry about that. No, 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 no then she says I can't believe they treated me this way all of what I did for them I just can't believe that they would do this all of the long hours I put in all of this criminal activity we were all involved in we were all involved in unethical illegal practices on the job and they gonna treat me this way they couldn't send me a get card man Now, I'm saying engaged in criminal, unethical, illegal practices on the job. But as the woman was speaking with me and speaking to me, this woman broke it down on every criminal, unethical, illegal practice. She, along with her managers, her bosses, were engaged in she broke it down she broke it down she was complaining she was mad but she broke down everything they were all doing and she talked about what she was doing yes she did and I asked her I said hold hold up so you mean to tell me that you were engaged in Criminal, unethical, illegal practices on the job. That's why they had you. Or that's why you agreed to work from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. That's why you were doing all of that overtime. That's why it was okay for you to be talked to the way that you are complaining about now. That's, that's why. And she said, yeah, I mean, I was getting a couple of more dollars. That's why I did it. And that's why I did it, to get some more money. So I said, but you—you you said you knew what you was doing was wrong. Oh, that's why you don't want to tell me the company name. Now she didn't want to finish talking to me because I was just trying to get an understanding of, oh, hold up, that's what that is. And she says, yeah, but they didn't—they didn't give me a get well card. I did not get a get well card, and nobody gave me no flowers in the hospital. I just—I just don't understand. By that time, I had shut down. <laughs> I said, oh, mama. Now, it's unfortunate. I'm talking to y'all now. It's unfortunate that she went through all of those issues. It's unfortunate. It's, it's horrible. But she's the one who confirmed that she had an aim to make some more dimes some more nickels, some more pennies, some more dollars. She stressed that. She stressed all of that. Now, before the aim was exposed, it looked like, oh, my goodness, this job, they so wrong. Why they do that to you? Oh, no, 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 they shouldn't do that to you. That's what it looked like. But then when she started conversing with me more and more, taking off those layers, I started to see, hold up, hold up. Oh, okay, you had an aim to make some more pennies and some more dimes and some more quarters. And it's exposed now. And that could be the very reason why one is enduring those consequences. Am I saying that the woman deserved to be in this situation? Absolutely not. That's why I say you have to listen to what I'm saying. What I am saying is her aims were exposed. Her aims exposed her heart. Her aims exposed the intent. The aims exposed the motive. Aiming towards unethical practices, illegal practices, criminal activity. That's not a God-honoring goal. No matter what people are saying behind it. Even if they say, you know, I'm just trying to make some more money. Doing wrong things so I can give God some money in the offering at church. That's still a wrong goal. God can't do nothing with that. He can't do nothing with that. But I can tell you somebody who can do something with that. Satan. But God can't do anything with that. That's why it's important to discern are the goals and the aims I'm achieving or trying to achieve, is it a God-honoring goal where God can really get the glory and the praise? Or is it a self-seeking, satisfying, or self-satisfying goal? And in the end, it's really not self-satisfying if it got people laid out somewhere and it's causing stress. The woman's aim of making a couple of dollars exposed everything. It was exposed. It was wrong. She was doing some wrong things, running after the wrong aims to achieve another aim. Running after illegal, criminal, wrong practices just to get some money that really wasn't hers. That wasn't her money. That was not her money. And when I say that woman broke down what she was doing, went through the whole steps, went through it all. And I I said, oh, my gosh. Just horrible. Horrible. She knew what she was doing. The company knew what she was doing. That's why they were talking to her that way. She became a slave to an ungodly aim. That's how that trash happens. You do something that you have no business doing. You become enslaved to it until you break it and, oh, no, I'm done. I'm done. And she was still in it because even after going through the health issue, she, they ain't sent send me a goodwill card. Man, who gives a rat? And she was considering going back to their job. But her siblings saw, yeah, these aims you have to, they're killing you it's not helping you do nothing for God, not even for yourself. Stop. Stop it. But she was on it, and we know she was on it because she was telling me about it. It would have been one thing if she said, man, I ended up in this situation because I was doing the wrong thing. I quit that trash. Oh, I don't know if she was looking for me to amen or co-sign on, yeah, you need to go to that job and Get that get will card and make them respect you. They'll never respect you because they don't respect themselves. They don't respect God. They don't respect the leadership in that company. They don't respect anything. They're not going to respect you. You are their flunky. It doesn't work that way. See, using that example, you can see how if we go after the wrong aims, it costs. There are consequences to every one of our actions, whether it be positive or negative. Whether it be doing something God's way or not doing something God's way. That's how it goes. If we are not mindful, we could end up in a similar situation. It might not be a health battle, but it could result in a person being unconscious of their surroundings and the long-term effect it has on one's life and the lives of other people connected to them. Anytime we choose to run after and pursue aims that have nothing to do with God and nothing to do with what God told us to do, we might think we're running towards a goal, but in reality, we are really running away from God that's why it is of extreme importance to allow your aims to be exposed with the light of Christ and what i mean by that is god's word is a light jesus is a light and psalm the 119th chapter in the 105th verse states god's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and john the first chapter in the fifth verse says The light, which is God's word, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God's word. See, light exposes any dark area and any dark aim or goal that God is not in. And since we are aware of Psalm 119th chapter and the 105th verse that says, your word which is referring to God's word, being a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, we should purposefully expose our aims to God's light to see what the aim is really about. That's how you expose your aims, is you bring the aim underneath or have it revealed in the light of God. Will this aim please God? Is this an aim that honors God? Is this the aim God told me to do? Is this the aim God told me to pursue? Or is this aim to satisfy me? Is this a self-gratifying, selfish, prideful, emotional desire and or aim? Expose your aims with God's light because God's light will surely, which is God's word, God's word will surely expose what is from him and what is for you. And God's word and God's light will also expose that aim. And if that aim is rooted in pride and every evil work associated with it, if there is an evil work associated with it. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the 12th through the 13th verse says, For the word of God the light is living and active and full of power making it operative energizing and effective god's word the light is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow the deepest parts of our nature exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. And we could say that not a creature, not an aim is concealed from God's light. But all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give account. You see that God's word? in Hebrews the 4th chapter the 12th through 13th verse when you read it for yourself, the light of Christ the light of the finished works of Jesus Christ, the light of the Holy Spirit will expose the aims we pursue we can say all day long as I mentioned earlier, oh this is for God no, the light of Christ will reveal if the aim a person is pursuing is really for God or for self the light of God, the light of God's word is strong. It's active. It's full of power. The light of God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating one's goals, penetrating the aims of people, penetrating what people say and what they do, how they might say they meant one thing, but the light shows the intentions of the heart or the light shows the intentions one had when they pursued that aim the light of God exposes and judges the thoughts the person had before they even pursued the aim, while they pursued the aim, and after they pursued the aim. And no matter what a person says, what they do, how they try to deviate and deflect, God's light will expose a person's aims. The aims cannot hide. The light will expose the aim every time. Look at the last part of Hebrews, the fourth chapter in the 12th through the 13th verse. It says, And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give account. See, we have to give account for the aims we pursue. So it's best to expose them from the jump with God's light. Before we jump into things thinking that we can, okay, I can try to make this aim be something for God. No. Do it right the first time. Either pursue the aim if it's God honoring or leave the aim alone if it's not. And sometimes leaving the aim alone could be, yeah, I'm doing this for self, but maybe God needs to help me refocus and pivot this goal to do things his way. We have to give an account for those aims at some point in our lifetime. We have to. We have to. We can't hide from giving an account to God. And we can't hide from the presence of God either. Everything is laid out before him. A person could be pursuing an aim where they think that nobody can see them. But God is looking straight at them at all times because nothing is hidden before the Lord. No thought is hidden. No plan is hidden. No idea is hidden. And most importantly, no aim, no goal, no objective, no strategy, no plot, no desire is hidden. Okay, And Luke, the 12th chapter in the second verse confirms that. It says, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. I encourage you all to read 2 Kings, the 5th chapter. And I've gone over this account several times throughout many series I've covered on the Aim Towards the Target podcast. But as it relates to the motivational aim, aim exposure for this series, here's a snapshot You probably already know it, but this is a quick snapshot. But in 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, once again, read it for yourself and go ahead and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal some things to you as it relates to aim exposure and what you need to work on. But in 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, there was a man by the name of Naaman who had a skin condition, which was leprosy. And Naaman traveled to see the man of God, which was the prophet Elisha. And Elisha tells Naaman what to do so he could experience the healing power of God. And Naaman follows what Elisha told him to do, which was what God told him to do, because God used the prophet to give the assignment for Naaman to follow. Okay? Naaman, remember he has that skin condition, leprosy. He, Naaman, experiences the healing power of God after he does what God says to do. And then what Naaman tries to do is give Elisha a gift. But Elisha, the prophet, refuses the gift because he wanted Naaman to know that God healed him. And this was not a transactional sale. It was God's grace and mercy that, and his love that healed Naaman. So Elisha didn't take the money. But Elisha peacefully sent Naaman away and he told him, go in peace. And then Elisha's servant, the man of God's servant, he witnessed this entire exchange of Elisha healing Naaman and Naaman trying to give Elisha the prophet gifts. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, expressed some aims out loud. And that was, man, my master was too easy on this Naaman. I mean, my master, he didn't accept from him what he brought. <laughs> as surely as the Lord lives, I will run after this man and get something from him. You see, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, had some aims. He had an aim. So when you read 2 Kings, the 5th chapter and the 21st through the 27th verse, you'll see what Gehazi did. He ran after Naaman, the man who was healed. He lied to him and said, My master, referring to Elisha, the prophet, the man of God who turned away the money. He says, Yeah, my master, you know, he told me to run after you. And he said, "Uh, Go ahead and... Give me some money and some silver and some talents and some sets of clothing. Yeah, I need that because he's trying to help some other people in a, you know, young prophets program. And he told me to come after you to get that. And then naming, not knowing that Gehazi had these aims that he was trying to fulfill, apart from God, he just goes ahead and gives Gehazi these things. Because remember, Gehazi had some aims that were not God-honoring. We know they weren't God-honoring because the man of God rejected the aim from the jump. And then we know it wasn't God-honoring because he did it behind the man of God's back. And then we know it was not God-honoring because he had to lie about it. God's not in that. But he ran after his aim. In his mind, he achieved his aims. He got what he wanted, his way, in his time. But when you read 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, in the 21st through the 27th verse, when you jump to the 26th verse, Elisha, the man of God. Tells Gehazi when he comes back to him because Gehazi went to go hide all of these aims. He went to go hide it, but it was exposed. The aims exposed him because the man of God says, Was not my spirit with you when well, the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or accept clothes? Or olive groves and vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female slaves? Just in that verse alone, we can see that Elisha exposed the aims Gehazi had with the money that he received the wrong way, what he planned to do with it. So the man of God exposed all of those aims. Seen and unseen, known and unknown. You see how Luke, the 12th chapter in the second verse, just pinpoints it all, where God says nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. It was known. Everybody's aims will be exposed. And then when you jump to 2 Kings, the 5th chapter in the 27th verse, It says, Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now you just heard that. And when you read it, you'll see it for yourself. And then the Holy Spirit will reveal some things to you that I didn't even have time to show you that you're going through or that you know of. But you can see how Gehazi's aims were exposed. He tried pursuing something in secret, but it was exposed. Why? Because God's word is a light. God's presence is light. God exposes our aims. When we get around people who keep God first and they aim to walk in God-honoring integrity and they aim to live according to the syllabus god gave us to follow if you bring your aims to them <laughs> your aims will be exposed god's word is a light similar to elisha the prophet he was he was a man but he was following god that's why gehazi's aims were exposed cuz gehazi thinking it's just it's just my boss no, he was exposed. The aims were exposed. The intent behind the aims were exposed. And he reaped a consequence for going after the wrong aim. God's word is a light that is sharper than a double edged sword. What did Hebrews the second chapter in the twelfth through thirteenth verse say? Read it so you can know. The beginning of it was for the word of God, the light, is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. God's word, the light, is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. I'll let you read the rest. Luke, the 12th chapter in the second verse says, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. And God's light exposes our aims. And you see just in 2 Kings 5th chapter how Gehazi was running after something that had nothing to do with what God told him to do. And then what he was running after, those aims, exposed him. The aims exposed him. And then those aims that he was running after physically impacted him physically impacted him. What we run after, the aims we run after, although they start off as a thought that nobody can physically see, God sees it. But a person might not physically see a thought, but in due time, in due time, the fruit of that thought, the fruit of that aim will manifest physically in a person's life and it will be seen. The account in scripture where I talked about or went over regarding 2 Kings 5th chapter and the 21st through the 27th verse is similar to the story I shared with you with that woman. Going back to Gehazi, what would life look like if he would have just put his aims under the exposing light of God? And if you think about it, Gehazi had to run away from God's light to go do or pursue or achieve his aim. I think I said something like that when we first started, or when I first started talking. When a person doesn't follow and do what God says to do, they're running away from God. Because the light was there for Gehazi. He was around the man of God. He was around God's word. He was a servant, but he wanted to pursue things his own way and he had to run away from God. He had to run away from the light to do what he wanted to do and it produced some things in his life that he really didn't want. He didn't want that. His family didn't want that. His community didn't want it. Because when you know anything or if you know anything about leprosy, how they treated that, During those times, boy, you can, don't come around nobody. You can't be around us. You got to go to a little spot. They got a little place for people like that. You got to go over there. You're isolated. So you cut yourself off. A person can cut themselves off and isolate themselves and put themselves in a box when they run away from God, thinking they're running towards something that means something, and it doesn't mean anything in the end. The aim is to pray to God about your aims. And allow God, give God permission to lead you to your aims his way. Don't try to make things happen outside of what and how God wants to bring those aims and desires to you. Because in that act alone, a person is really stepping out of God-honoring bounds. Running after a penny. Just an example. Running after a penny Only to get into a lifetime of debt. Lifetime of situations they can't get out of. Things just falling apart. Nobody really wants that. Running after something only to get into a situation that takes a lifetime to even function in. It's just distorted outcomes. No. Allow God to bless you the way he wants to. Don't compare yourself to people. And people will do that. Oh, look what I got Okay. I want to do it God's way. There's so much peace over here when you do it God's way. That's the aim. With anything or any area of your life, don't run after aims. That's the aim. To not run after aims that have nothing to do with God. Because when a person look at Gehazi, you're running away from God to get to something that God is not in. God can't bless that. God can't bless that. God can't use that. He can't use it. And does it mean that God doesn't love a person anymore? <laughs> Absolutely not. God loves us. He loves us. No matter what we do, he might not love what we're doing but he loves us and he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And some of those sins are going after the wrong aims. So God loves us, but there are consequences to our actions. And remember, the aims will expose a person and the aims will be exposed. They'll be exposed regarding the true nature and intent and motive behind the aim, okay? So aim to run after and pursue God-honoring goals. A few scriptures I would like to leave you with include 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, read that. Hebrews, the 4th chapter and the 12th to the 13th verse. Luke, the 12th chapter and the 2nd verse. Psalm, the 119th chapter and the 105th verse. John, the first chapter in the fifth verse. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Feel free to visit my website, drkenitrabryant.com. Enjoy y'all's day and remain encouraged as you allow the Holy Spirit and God's word, which is God's light, to expose your aims. All right. Peace and God bless.